All right, I'm going to read from Isaiah 12. In that day, you will sing, I will praise you, O Lord. You were angry with me, but not anymore. Now you comfort me. See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. With joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. And that wonderful day, you will sing. Thank the Lord, praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy. For great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. And this is the word of God for the people of God. When we're in the middle of something, it's that something that has all of our attention. Um, Do you ever get consumed by something? And is there something that takes your time and your energy? What is your something? Well, let me tell you something. Uh, Getting consumed by something that I'm in the middle of is my life story. And it's my song, actually, and I have some of the lyrics here. Tumble out of bed and stumble to the kitchen for myself a cup of ambition. Yawn and stretch and try to come to life. You recognize it? All right. Working nine to five. What a, I should have had maybe Haley sing that. Sorry. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask you two questions today. Number one, what is your song about? And then number two, why are you singing it? Y'all, we're not only singing the wrong song, but the reason we're singing that is also the wrong reason. Uh, The book of Isaiah is one of the five major prophetic books of the Old Testament. It's the longest prophetic book. Um, It contains 66, 66 chapters. Isaiah ben Amoz is the named prophet. And most scholars will place the prophet and his writing to the last half of the 8th century BCE. Um, It's more difficult for scholars to agree on the authorship and the timeline, the composition um, of the book as a whole. So because I only have about 20 minutes uh, to give you a sermon on Isaiah 12, I'm going to focus on the literary elements of those prophetic statements that are made by Isaiah. And then hopefully paint a picture for you um, so you will know what it means to sing a song of praise and why we sing our praise to God. So before we look at the verses, let's look at the prophet. The prophet Isaiah experienced an intimate and divine relationship with the exalted one. And while receiving visions and making those proclamations, he was also aware of the evil and corruption and the sinful actions of the people of Judah and Jerusalem who failed to obey the law and followed their moral obligations. Isaiah, um, like the other prophets, did not teach anything new when it came to the law. Rather, he warned people what was going to happen when they did not follow the law. Jerusalem would be restored, and he was letting people know that. His message was that the Holy One will act to save, redeem, and transform the people of Jerusalem. 
We're talking about chapter 12 today. It only has six verses, but its language invites us to peel back the layers and hear the good news. Isaiah 12 is a song of praise and thanksgiving, and it's a song about hope that comes with salvation. The prophetic writing of Isaiah 12 gives us reason to praise God for who God is and where God is. It is in the midst of God where our strength derives And it's the power of God's infinite and ever-flowing goodness from where we receive salvation. The opening verse in chapter 12 reads, And in that day you will sing. In that day. That's a phrase used over 120 times in the entire book of Isaiah. You will also find in the days, in the last days, in the same day, in one day, And in the day. What do these prophetic statements mean? They tell of a day, a day when God would send his only son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. In that day, you will sing. Tells of a day when the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, when your burden will be taken away, when we will say, This is our God, when we will say, we have waited for him, and when we will proclaim, he will save us. There is reason to sing a song of praise because of who God is and where God is. We sing because we are responding to the Holy One. God's actions save us, redeem us, and transform us. So we praise God, and our praising is a reaction to God's action. Continuing in verse 1, it reads, I will praise you, O Lord. You were angry with me, but not anymore. You comfort me. The verb praise translates to yada and conveys the meaning of giving thanks, confessing your sins, and worshiping with extended hands. To praise is to act. It is something that we do on our part. Our faith can be seen in our worship. Not the way we worship, not when we worship, um, but in our praise to God in all times, in all things. So what's the song about? It's about salvation. And why do we sing it? Because it's God's song. We have reason to praise, uh, to give praise for the strength of God. See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. When we speak of strength, we speak of praising the strength of God. Psalm 21:13 says, we sing and praise the power of God. Psalm 28, 8. The Lord is our strength, so we will sing and praise the power of God. We give praise because of who God is. Who is God? God is our strength. And because God is our strength, we sing and praise the power of God. We give praise 
because of where God is. We can celebrate and give praise because we receive the strength in the midst of I am. When Moses says to the Israelites to be firm and unafraid because the Lord will rescue them, the Lord commands Moses to get the people moving. The Lord was not telling Moses to make a team of bench warmers. The Lord said, Moses, you tell your team to get off their bottoms and get out there. V-I-C-T-R-Y, that's our Savior's battle cry. So remember, I was a cheerleader, so I have about 50 more of those cheers if you want to hear it. This song is about strength, and we sing it because God is strength. The Israelites' strength came from participating in the midst of God's mighty power. In my former life as an English teacher, one of my favorite writing techniques was called in media res, and it's Latin, and it simply means in the middle of it. So you begin your piece of writing in an immediate risk, which is in the middle of the plot, in the middle of the action. And we give praise because God is in immediate risk, in the middle of it. God is our strength, and we receive strength because of God's proximity. We are in the midst of the great I am. Praise God. Uh, one of the speakers at the conference that we went to in Nashville said, To be with God, all you need is nothing. But none of us have nothing. You see, we all have something. When we are in the midst of something, we are not in the midst of the great I am. Richard Boombrand was an atheist who became a priest in the communist country of Romania. He was a prisoner for preaching the gospel and transcribing uh, Bibles He spent 14 years in solitary confinement in a cell that was 30 feet below the ground in an underground prison. 14 years by himself. It was a 25-year sentence, but he was ransomed out after 14 years. He had no one. No Bible, paper, pen, clothes, blanket, bread. He had no name. He was called a number, prisoner number one. And for 17 hours a day, he and the other prisoners were forced to sit on the floor, not rest their head, not move, not close their eyes, and they were forced to listen to this message. They were brainwashed. Communism is good. Communism is good. Communism is good. Communism is good. Christianity is dead. Christianity is dead. Christianity is dead. Christianity is dead. Nobody loves you anymore. Nobody loves you anymore. Nobody loves you anymore. From 5 in the morning until 10 at night. He said for years he even heard it in his nightmares. He was tortured for not renouncing the name of Jesus, and his feet were so badly damaged after 14 years of receiving beatings with a rubber hammer that after his release in 1964 and then up until his death when he was 91 in 2001, he was not able to stand very long um, or wear shoes, so he went everywhere in socks. He had nothing. And he even said he was nothing. And he was desperate for something that would remind him that he was not nothing. He taught the other prisoners one at a time, letter by letter, and word by word, Morse code. And I have an example for you here.
It was taught and spread letter by letter, word by word, phrase by phrase, from cell to cell. And it was through Morse code where he preached and shared the good news of the Bible. He composed to memory over 350 sermons while in prison. And then after his release, he committed his life to sharing those sermons and his testimony. I do have an audio recording of one of his sermons. It's called The Beauty of Nothing. Um, The audio is somewhat difficult to hear, so I transcribed the words onto the screen. And remember um, what I'm about to tell you. Um, He's going to talk about a time he served Holy Communion while in prison and through Morse code. Be blessed with nothing. We eat nothing. And we remember the body of our Lord Jesus Christ which has been broken for us. So we took another nothing. And we thank God for this other nothing. And we blessed this other nothing. And it was a real experience. The blood of Jesus Christ was communicated to us in the form of nothing. It is only in the nothing you realize the something. When you have nothing, nothing is very valuable, and that is something. Paul told the church of Galatia, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He told the church of Corinth, Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. What was Paul's song about? It was a song that preached, though our hearts ache, we will always have joy. And why did he sing it? Because though he had nothing, he had everything. We must have nothing to die to ourselves so that we we may have everything By living in Christ, that is something to sing about. When you, um, with joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. When Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well, he asked her to give him a drink. So think about this woman who was at the well, which is practically just a hole in the ground. And if you put a bucket far enough down and you draw the water out, you can drink it. You quench your thirst by literally drawing out water and drinking it. So Jesus tells her of a living fountain of water, which has the power to spring within us eternal life. The woman at the well believes in that power, and because of the power of the Holy Spirit, with joy, she praises God and takes that drink. God wants true believers. We drink from the living waters because in faith, we believe that water will save us. So it is with joy we drink deeply. In that wonderful day, you will sing, Thank the Lord, praise his name, tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Some scholars have called Isaiah, the prophet, an aristocrat of the spirit. Isaiah was like a royal counselor to the kings, and he was privy to um, the dynamics of city life and the concerns of government and foreign policy. He says, make mention of that his name is exalted. 
So think about the word exalted from the perspective of someone like Isaiah. He understood the literal system of hierarchy and the power of governmental systems. And one of the many idolatrous kingdoms that God brought down was the kingdom of Assyria. And the Assyrian king was arrogant and proud. And although Isaiah was um, in this counselor role to the king, it says in Isaiah 2, 2, that Isaiah is proclaiming to exalt the name of God because it is the mountains of the Lord, the mountain of the Lord's house that shall be established on the top of the mountains and exalted above the hills. And the slide is a, a, a nonprofit that was started by Richard Broombrand and his wife. His wife was also imprisoned, and um, she was told right in the beginning that he died. So for 14 years, she thought he had died. And they started a ministry. Um, you can find out about it. I think it's persecution.org or something. And um, obviously, they, are, they have died, but it's still singing. It has a voice. It's being heard about all the persecution that's going on um, in our world. And it shows you how many prisoners there are and what prisons and how many days they've served and why they went um, to prison and how you can write a letter on their behalf. So Richard and his wife's legacy, they've, it's lived on. They're still continuing to sing out their song about who God is and where God is. And the ministry is called Voice of the Martyrs. I didn't say that. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy, for great is the Holy One of Israel who lives in the midst of thee. We can sing this song of praise and thanksgiving because in the midst of the Holy One of Israel, we are there together singing for all the world to hear. We are in a partnership with God, and it's in the midst of his divine power that we have been given his precious and wonderful promises so that we may share in the divine nature of God. That's 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. For that, we give all honor, glory, and praise. That is something to sing about. In Richard's book called Tortured for Christ, he wrote, I have found truly jubilant Christians only in the Bible, in the underground church, and in prison. Are you a jubilant Christian? Are you jubilant when the only thing you have is nothing? Do you have faith that you truly only need nothing to have everything in Christ? Are you hanging on to somethings and only singing the songs where you are something? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? A 16th century theologian, Martin Luther, said in the table talk or familiar discourse of Martin Luther, said, you see, God is making the, uh, making the birds our schoolmasters and teachers. It is a great and abiding disgrace to us that in the gospel, a helpless sparrow should become a theologian and a preacher to the wisest of men. And daily should empathize this to our eyes and ears as if he were to say 
He were saying to us, look, you miserable man, you have a house and home, money and property. Every year you have a field full of grain and other plants of all sorts, more than you will ever need. Yet you cannot find peace and you are always worried about starving. If you do not know that you have supplies and cannot see them before your very eyes, you cannot trust God to give you food for one day. Though we are numerable, none of us spends his living days worrying. Still, God feeds us every day. In other words, we have as many teachers and preachers as there are little birds in the air. Their living example is an embarrassment to us. Whenever we hear a bird singing toward heaven and proclaiming God's praises and our disgrace, we should feel ashamed and not even dare to lift up our eyes. But we are as hard as stone, and we pay no attention, even though we hear the great multitude preaching and singing every day. And I think Civilian Martin understood this. Her husband was an evangelist, and she went all over the, uh, the United States with him. And in 1904, she visited a friend who was bedridden. And despite being discouraged and sick, her friend recited Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Sevilla wrote out some quick notes and composed a poem by the end of the day. And then she sent it to Charles Gabriel, um, who put it to music. And I have asked Haley to sing this song for you a cappella. You're welcome. Um, and before I pass the, the mic off to Haley, Richard Vorman's quote, A bird does not sing because of the things it gets. The bird sings because it has a song in its heart. Amen. And I'm going to come back to us after Haley sings, so enjoy. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Let not your heart be troubled. 
His tender word I hear And resting on His goodness I lose my doubts and fear Though by the path He leadeth But And I know he watches me. Oh, his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. Wow. 
I hope that when you see a sparrow or another bird that's up there chirping, that you will remember this and that you will remember you are far more valuable than that sweet, beautiful sparrow who's singing its praises. And no matter what you're in the middle of, remember you're in the midst of the great I am. And we have a song to sing.